it if we stand as I read. Keisha, King James Version, please. Colossians 2, starting at 3, and then also pull up the Living Translation of the same text. We're going from 3, hopefully, to 7 today. But right now in the King James Version, let's stand as we reverence the Word of God. I like seeing that people have their Bibles, amen, their phones, pray the Lord, amen. Amen. Colossians 2 and 3. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I say this, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. Joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. I want to speak to you today from the sermon title, Resting in What You Already Have. Resting in what you already have. How many people in here are saved today? Amen. Now, here's a question. How many of us are resting in what we have? Ah, there you go. The application of what you've been given. Amen. That's what we're going to pray that the Lord will help us with today. Amen. Now, when I was growing up, one of the things that we dealt with in our neighborhood, um, we lived um, in Oakland, and my dad had brought bought a house around, uh, I'm going to say, late 70s, mid 80s. Uh, We had a house in middle class area of Oakland. And just like everywhere else that was in Oakland, except for certain areas, um, we experienced um, the drug culture and the influence of drugs and being impacted with drugs uh, in our area. And suddenly, the very nice neighborhood that I was in uh, we had the biggest house on the block, but it didn't matter because it, it turned into a bad area. <laughs> Amen. So we was like, there's a Hawkins house in the hood. So, <laughs> so, so what ended up happening is as a result of that, um, the, of the, the impact of drugs, a lot of gangs, rival gangs, were, were fighting each other for certain territories. Amen. And they had certain blocks that they had claimed that they never told the, uh, the government that, that now belonged to them. Amen. But then what ended up happening is they were, there was a lot of territorial wars. And uh, because of that, uh, the gang activity, um, uh, some of my friends got caught up uh, and their lives were forever changed um, because they got involved with the environment now. They got involved with the very... Uh, uh, changed and, and altered community uh, due to drugs. Amen? Um, and one of the reasons why they got involved and their lives were changed forever and some things, you know, really, some really bad things happened. Uh, some of them died. Um, I remember some kids that didn't make it. Some, a lot of them went to jail. A lot of them got caught up in drugs or being on drugs. Uh, but one of the things that was happening in the gang uh, 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 recruiting there, if you will, is they had people coming to them um, and, and, and saying things like, you belong to us now. You're one of us now. And one of the reasons why that didn't happen to me and my sisters, we came from parents who instilled in us who we were. Amen? There was a sense of self-worth, if you will. Uh, Mama Tremaine uh, 
noticed the climate, noticed what was happening, took stock in inventory of what was happening in her community, and she would tell me and my sister, she would say, you come from good stock. And she'd look me in my eye. And every now and then she reminds me of that now. Who are you again? You know, Pastor Jamie Hawkins, that's right. And she'll tell me, you know, who I am. But she reminded me of, you know, her side of the family, a bunch of preachers and teachers and bishops and educators and, and folks like that. And then, and then she would remind me of the accomplishments of the, of the Hawkins family, and people already know about that. But when I stepped outside to go and play or go to school, um, I was not an easy target for the gangs. Mm. Because I didn't feel like I needed to join anything or anybody because I already knew who I belonged to. Ah, are you hearing me? So Paul in the second chapter of Colossians, in this very first part here, is seeking to uh, convey a message of belonging, a message of value to this church that is under attack by all kinds of belief systems. Um, And what we have here is a snapshot of how Paul deals with and lovingly leads his church into stability and health. Say that with me. Stability and health. And it's during a time of attack. And he does that by leading them into uh, uh, understanding that they have everything that they need already in Christ in order to grow. They already have it. Amen? So again, resting in what you already have. Amen? So when you know who you are, it's not so easy for someone to recruit you into what you should never be. I'm going to say it again. When you know who you are, it's not so easy for someone else to recruit you into what you should never be. Amen? Amen. So Colossians 2 and 3, I just want to define some terms here. He says to them in the earlier verses that you, don't, that you would understand the mystery. You've got these Colossians who are not Jews, who are now being um, brought into the faith, who are now being grafted into the family of God. The hoodlums got saved. Amen. And so the, the hoodlums are now uh, 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 intermingling with the Jews. <laughs> who've known about God through centuries and centuries and centuries past. And so you've got this interesting group of people. And it's interesting, when you see all of Paul's epistles, he's kind of aiming at the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Because he wants us to get something that, for whatever reason, the modern-day church, just, we're just not getting it. You know, it's, it's hard to understand why we've had so much teaching and why it's been hard for us to understand that we're all the same in Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ... I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. Jesus is supreme over all, and we are all needing him and depending on him. Amen? So he tells them, you've been grafted into this mystery. You've been grafted into this inheritance. You're rich beyond measure spiritually. And he says, in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Hidden doesn't mean concealed but rather laid up for, set aside for, stored away for those who would come to Christ and believe in Jesus Christ, those who place their faith in Christ. I'm trying to tell you that Paul is saying to us, even in 2022, that you have treasures laid up for you 
hidden in Jesus Christ. You're already in him. You already have the treasure. And there are treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What does that mean? The knowledge. I know what to do. The wisdom. I know how to do it. When to do it. I have everything in Christ Jesus. I am hidden in him. I have the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. I know through Christ what I need to know. And I know because he's given me the Holy Spirit, how I need to apply what I know in every season. Woo! He's saying you know some things, you understand some things, and he's backed it up by his Spirit. Amen? Amen. So I know that, that I have insight. I have everything I need to know how to apply it the best way to apply what I know. So here's my point number one. The health of a church depends on its leaders Letting you know that you already have everything that you need to grow deeper in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. In verse 4, he says, now, purpose clause. Same translation. And I say all of that, that all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you already have those things. Amen. In whom are hidden all the wisdom and knowledge of Christ. I say those things, purpose clause, lest any man should beguile you. So he's not just going, all right, now shout that you've got everything. Woo! I'm rich in wisdom and knowledge. He said, no, I'm telling you that because you have enemies. Mm. He's like, okay, turn the organ down. Now listen to me for a minute. I want you to understand that I'm giving you this information because it's a weapon. Oh. And you're going to need a weapon. Preach, Holy Spirit. Lest any man should beguile you. That word beguile means to deceive in order to cheat you out of something that you already have. Ah. There's people that are in place to defraud you of resting in what you already have. Persuasive arguments. I don't know about you, but every now and then I go into my favorite city. One of the favorite cities I have is Berkeley, California. I love Berkeley. Love, love, love Berkeley. And want somebody, maybe me, hopefully this church, to end up somehow in Berkeley because those folks believe everything. <laughs> and you can tell them I said it. You walk in down College Row and you listen to, you know what I'm saying, some of the stuff, and he's like, you believe What? And they are, you know, they're adamant about it. They, you know, they can defend it. They're in college. These students, you know, they have no fear in telling you the craziest of, you know, things to believe. Am I right, Rick? You know, you hear all kinds of beliefs that sound like they make sense based on human reasoning. But it's not based on the truth. So in, in this age of information where you log on on your computer and you, you, you try to, you know, find out something and, and somebody with too many letters behind their names tells you some good-sounding nonsense. <laughs> and we believe it. Why? Because they posted it. I could post right now, God is a cheeseburger. And somebody will say, well, let me see where you're coming from. And they'll believe me. It's that crazy. Okay? 
But let me tell you something. That's out there in the world. This doesn't just happen in the world. This happens also in church. Let me show you how it happens in church. Because we can look crazy at that, but the truth of the matter is we deal with some things and have come from some things in church where we have been confronted with beguiling people who want to rob you of resting in Christ. Amen? Amen? Be very careful listening to some of these philosophers and psychiatrists dressed up as pastors. I'm going to say that again. Philosophers and psychiatrists dressed up as pastors. <laughs> they have degrees, but they do not work for Jesus. Mm. They fill their churches looking for people who are interested in success. I want temporary things, so I'm here, I've come to collect. <laughs> Amen? Remember, the churches in the Laodicean area and the Colossae area, which we're talking about right now, they boasted, as you can find out in Romans, the third chapter, I mean, a Revelation, rather, the third chapter, they boasted of their knowledge. They boasted that they were rich. They boasted that they had a lot of wisdom. But Jesus described them as poor. He said, you're poor and you don't even know it. The problem was they had an influx of false teaching that told the people everything that they wanted to hear. So they thought they were rich, and it was causing them to strategize and agonize and strive for things that really did not matter. And Jesus gave these churches in this area uh, the worst grade when it came to their spiritual conditioning. He said that basically you're in the worst condition spiritually out of all the churches. Why? Because there were these teachers that were teaching folks what they wanted to hear. Amen? Amen. And we have the same thing today. And I have to be honest with you. I look on Facebook. I see what some people post. And they post some of these preachers. And I go, yeah. But are you listening closely to what they're saying? Are you aware? Some of the things, I mean, some of these so-called preachers are what we call sweet talkers. Amen. It's not obvious how to catch what they're doing. It's not always obvious how to spot what they're doing, but let me help you. If you're paying attention, you'll begin to notice that every sermon is about how the problem is somebody else's problem. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You just have too many haters around you. You need to get rid of the haters. Hmm? Every problem is about something else. What you need is divine friends. Stop hanging around folks that are not going to allow you to reach the goal that God has for you in your life. That's how it is. That's how they preach. Everything is about how you have the wrong friends. You got the wrong job. You got the wrong husband. You got the wrong kids. You got the wrong church. You got the wrong everything. And so the issue is, is, is it's always about somebody else's problem. Amen? But for whatever reason, a preacher never tells the people that the problem is you. <laughs> we never hear that sermon. They preach like, you know, what you need to do is repent of getting in the way of your own success. You know, Pastor Rick is right in here. You, you've seen it. They urge you to repent against that. But they never say you need to repent of sinning against the holy God. They never preach about you sinning against the holy God. They urge you to repent for being on the wrong level. What you need to do is elevate to the next level. You've heard it, right? 
Some of you guys real quiet. They they don't want you to repent for having desires that have become replacement idols for Jesus Christ. We never talk about that. They never say, get up and carry your cross. They say the reason why you're having problems is because you got too many haters getting in the way of what you want, not realizing that the thing that you really want is an idol. You replace Jesus Christ for some stuff. And all you need to do is get rid of your haters. Can I explain something to you? Jesus had haters. What you expect was going to happen when you got saved? It's false teaching. I hear you, I'm telling you. And they packed their churches with this thing because what happened is when you start preaching about the cross of Jesus Christ, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him, then the people, they, they start to leave. It's not a popular message. It's the same thing that happened with the disciples. The closer Jesus got to that cross, the, the fewer people were in the crowd. The closer he said, I come to die, the folks was like, well, you know, I don't know about all that, Jesus. I'm not, I, you, you had me right up to there. <laughs> They're packed. They sing songs that focus on people and their needs, and not on Jesus Christ. If you listen closely, Jesus, give me some stuff. Jesus, give me some stuff. Come on, everybody. Jesus, give me some stuff. Jesus, give me some stuff. We love you, Jesus. We want your stuff, Lord. Give me all your stuff, God. We're waiting on you, Jesus, for all your stuff. That's what it's about. What's the problem, people? Filling churches up with a diet of fleshly dreams and desired me-centered theology. Every message is about you. Every message. All the sermons point to making your life more enjoyable, adding things that will ultimately burn up when Jesus Christ gets here. Woo! Think it through, people. They never talk about the cross. They're always talking about life circumstances, how to make things better, you know, how to make things easier. And if you just get rid of your haters, here's the point. Have you ever noticed that they're always saying in, in a very, very slick way, you have Jesus, but something's missing. That's what they're saying. Ultimately, that's the message. You need to add to Jesus. It's just done in a 2022 slick way. But it's not new. It's old. It's old. Beguiling you with enticing words. Okay, you see that word right there? The word enticing words, when you look that up and beguiling, you put those things together, it comes up smooth talkers, it comes up uh, brilliant orators, folks that can put words together, folks that are just gifted speakers. They just have the ability to be gifted. False teachers don't preach the truth, so they have to rely on clever arguments and extremely precise precision when it comes to their presentations. They don't mess up. <laughs> They're very well rehearsed. Are you hearing me? Some of the biggest teachers in this time are false teachers. And how you can tell is because they're not pointing you to repentance in Jesus Christ. 
They're, re- they're pointing you to replacing him, using him, sticking his name tag on it. That's, that's how you know. Amen? Amen. So, number one, leaders who will let you know that you have everything already in Christ to grow. Nothing's missing. You have all the wisdom and the knowledge that you need to grow deeper in Christ. Number two, the health of the church depends on people who point out what's going well in you and not only over-criticizing you. This is a big one. Verse 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He's got a positive spin here. Paul is in a a prison, and he's got this guy, Epaphras, who set up this church, heard his preaching, and the people begin to get into the church. There's a following there. Epaphras comes and reports and says, hey, this is what's happening. And Paul basically decides... Listen, I'm in jail at this time, yet I'm in the spirit with you. I'm in agreement. I'm in prayer for you. I'm fighting for you, even though I've never seen you. Are you hearing me? I'm joying. I'm rejoicing over this report. I'm beholding your order. That word order right there is the same verse, we, uh, the same word that we get in Colossians 2 and 2. Uh, when it says, um, I want them to be encouraged and knit together. That word means compacted. That means tightly knit together. That word order is a military term. It means we're we're tight. We're a a, a unified front. We're standing together, building each other up, not criticizing each other. Like It's kind of like an army that is realizing that they are vastly outnumbered. So what I do is I don't take my fellow soldier and talk down about him. What I do is I get back to back with him. We lock arms. There's too many of them for us to be fighting each other. So what we got to do is we got to lift each other up. It's locking arms, becoming a unified front in love and appreciation, not in criticism. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's beholding their order. They're standing in faith side by side, encouraging each other, lifting each other up in the truth, not tearing each other down. So Paul is in jail, and he can't see them. So what he does is he decides... To take the high road and err on the side of confidence and hope and not criticism. How many of us do that with our children? How many of us do that with our people in the church? How many of us are doing that with the, with, with the church, with the folks that are not yet saved yet or, or folks that are not quite in yet? What you, you, the first thing you do is point out everything wrong? There might be another strategy. You know, I see that you've got this thing going on. Now, I, I would like to add some truth to that, but I'm not going to tear you down and cause you to shut the door on the other truth that might come through later. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A lot of religious people look at what's wrong and panic. They panic because they don't see something that looks like what they think it ought to look like, not realizing when has God never been in control? When, <laughs> God is in control the whole time. He's not worried about it as much as you are. You can speak on it, and you should speak on it, but you got to watch your heart attitude because your heart attitude will determine whether or not what you speak on will be received. Uh, okay. Amen. 
So he says, I'm beholding your order. He decides, even though he's never seen this church, to appreciate the report and believe the report of Epaphras and not doubt or come in with negativity. He errs on the side of hope. There's some things that we got to do differently in TLC. There's some things that we got to do better in TLC. But I have to be very, very careful not to discount what God is already doing. I have to be very careful not to come in with a negative vibe and go, well, I'm the pastor. We should be, we should be, we should be, we should be. No, no, no. The truth of the matter is, is God has been keeping us. God has been holding us. God is working on us. God is in total control. We need to improve. We're going to improve. But we're going to love each other into that improvement. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. So here's the point. Here, let me give you an illustration. Um, when you go to the gym, they have these rules in the gym. And the rules are kind of like, listen, um, we want you to remain positive, okay, with everybody so we can have a good experience. Amen. Um, you got these, they come against these guys that are in the gym. They're like muscle bound and <laughs> they're huge. And, you know, they come in looking, looking around for guys that, you know, who, you know, they're kind of skinny. <laughs> you know, and they have more experience. So what they do is they come in with the spirit of intimidation and discouragement. And so you hear a lot of negativity coming from them. Amen. Amen. And so what you, but what the gym has done is they set up a system to where all you have to do is go and report these negative people. And what they will do is the management will warn them once. And if they consider, if they continue to do this, they'll kick them out of the gym or revoke their membership because they don't want anyone trying to discourage people who just got started. I just got here. <laughs> And you intimidated me. They understand it is hard enough for you to get yourself up out of bed 20 years later and try to go to the gym. You know what I'm saying? Look, it was hard enough for me to get here. You know how many cheeseburgers I had? Every time I close my eyes, I see Twinkies. You don't know what I've been through. I'm trying. Okay, so the idea is they don't want to discourage people with intimidation, so they will report you, or you can report them, rather, and they will make sure that they understand that, you know, listen, we don't want you intimidating people, because some people are just glad to be here. Some people are experiencing growth, and, 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 and so, they, you know, they, 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 they put up these rules. Now, every now and then what you get is these slick guys, I call them fitness predators, Okay, the fitness predators are the people, they look for the folks that are old. They look for the folks that are out of shape. They look for the folks that, you know, you know I'm, in, I'm in there pressing up my weight, and another guy's like, you know, and I'm just like, Jesus. I'm trying my best to get my little exercise on, and another guy just comes in, and they're slapping on 45s like it's nothing. You know, but they look for the guys who, you know, who are novices. You know what I mean? I did three push-ups and I'm happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So they look for the novices and they, you know, they talk down to them. Why? They're predators. The reason why they're predators is because they want to convince you that on top of your gym membership, you need to listen to them and pay them a training fee. 
Ah! So that's how they get you. Oh, I noticed you're struggling over there, Hawkins. (laughs) Let me help you with that. What you need to do is you need to listen to me. I know all about this. (laughs) Acts 20 and 30 says this. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. So the whole idea is, listen, I don't want to encourage you too much, even though I know all you got to do is just keep coming, keep showing up, keep trying, and you're going to see some progress. But I don't want to tell you that. What I want to tell you is you need to take your eyes off of, you know, what God has already given you, and you need to listen to me. Are you seeing it? It's a slick thing that they do. Just like in the church. It's a good thing to hook up with someone who's been walking with the Lord a little longer than you. And they may be able to help you gain a little bit of spiritual muscle. But be careful. Use discernment because everybody ain't your friend. They want to talk to you and tell you to listen. You need to listen to me. John, 1 John 4, 1 and 3. 1 John 1, 4 and 3 says this. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are coming to the world. So here's the thing. In the gym, we got folks that are working on different things. You know, maybe my legs are weak. Maybe my arms need a little bit more development. Maybe I'm having a problem with my core. So what ends up happening is you got folks working on different things. But what a lot of predators tell you is that, no, you need to look just like me. Well, wait a minute. God didn't give me your body. Well, just like in the church. You is just keep showing up. Jesus has the ability to have everybody in the same building while he's working on different things at the same time. So with you, you might have a lying spirit, and you might have a trusting issue, and you might have some issues where you came from some hurts and pain. Jesus has the ability to work on different things because we're all different people. The whole thing is, is whatever you do, don't lose faith. Just keep coming. Keep showing up. Keep trusting God. Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? Ah, yeah. J.I. Packer says this, bad theology infects the heart with misbelief and unbelief. It's the spiritual equivalent of multiple sclerosis. Many who ran well have been progressively paralyzed through ingesting bad theology, and the danger remains. And then he also says this, Theological expertise can feed intellectual pride, turning one into a person who cares more for knowing the true notions than for working and knowing the true God. He said this is also disastrous. So what he's saying basically is you got folks who are experts in Jesus. (laughs) And you got to be spiritually in tune and pray before you link up with somebody who's going to tell you to be just like them when God may be trying to rescue you from them. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? I know it all, sweetie. I, I've been in church all my life. I, I know it's God. <laughs> I know, and what you need to do is you need to stop this, stop that, stop this, stop that, stop this, stop that. And they squeeze you into this narrow door that's even narrow, more narrow than the one that Jesus told you to walk through. <laughs> 
And before you know it, you end up frustrated and angry and, and, and sweating and saying, wait a minute, I didn't even come here for that. I had a whole other problem. And I need Jesus. I came from here for Jesus to work on this. And you're trying to make me just like you. Can you just point me to Jesus? That would be great. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got to be careful. Amen? Ah! Give me, um, go back to Colossians 2. Let's go from, let's go to 6 and 7. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Colossians 2 and 6. He says, as ye have therefore received Christ. Uh-huh. As ye have therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now, a lot of people have different ways of looking at this scripture. But if you look at the context of what's happening, coming from the last verse, he's basically saying, as you did in the very beginning, as you simply trusted Christ, walk in the same faith. Ah, are you hearing me? Trusting and believing that Jesus is going to make everything all right. Okay? Walk in the simple gospel that you heard. It was good enough to get you in. Hold to that same truth. Go deeper in that same truth. Okay? He's saying, live your life trusting. You don't need any extra teaching. You don't need all this extra stuff that people try to throw at you and say, you know, you need more of this, you need more of that. No, he's saying, stick with that simple grace, faith gospel. Go deeper and deeper in that. He's saying, walk in that. Just keep showing up. Maybe you can only read a few scriptures a day, but keep trusting God. Keep going in God. Keep going deeper and deeper in the Lord. You may not be able to keep up with somebody else that may be a little bit, in, you know, have, have, have been in their word a little bit longer than you. That's not the point. This is not a competition. Amen? Just keep going. Remain consistent. Be grateful that God has brought you as far as you've gotten so far. Are you hearing me? Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Roots grow deep in the ground so they can get the nourishment from the water so they can stay strong. What, notice what he's saying. And come on, Ruth, preach. He said, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. When you look in the, in the uh, New Living Translation, it says, be rooted in him, established firmly in him. It does in him twice. So he's basically saying, once you take your eyes off of Jesus, you're drawing your roots up and you're surviving on your own. Make sure your roots are going down into him. Amen. Establishing the faith. And then he says, as you have already been taught, the word is past tense. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. Uh -huh. And you will overflow with thankfulness. So here's the thing. He's saying that you grow in the truth that you've already heard. You pick up your Bibles. You read more and more about Jesus. Read more and more about Jesus. Read more and more about what he's done for you. Read more and more about how he's given you this inheritance. Get deeper and deeper in what you've already been given. In this salvation that you're walking into. Amen. Get deeper and deeper in those things. Gratitude and thankfulness starts to become a shield. It's a weapon. Thankfulness is a shield against the enemy's lies that wants you to think that you need a bunch of other stuff. 
He's saying basically, listen, Lord, I remember what I used to be. I remember what I used to do. I remember how I came in here. I remember where I was five years ago. But if it had not been for your goodness and your grace, I would still be there doing all the crazy stuff that I was doing before, thinking what I was thinking before. So I'm grateful for that. He said, get deeper and deeper in salvation. Get deeper in justification. Get deeper and deeper and deeper in edification. Get deeper and deeper in thankfulness to God for what he's already done. Study Jesus. Study how much he loves you. Study how much he loves you. Look through the Bible looking for how much he has already loved you. Already. That's the key. It becomes a shield. Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? Amen. You will be protected by thankfulness and gratitude. It will keep you from the lies of the enemy. It will keep you from the lies of the people that the enemy is in, in control of. Amen. And it will cause you to be so thankful that I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm I, I could listen to you, honey, but I'm too thankful for what Jesus has already done for me. <laughs> I, I hear you saying I need all that extra stuff. But, man, if you knew my story, <laughs> if you knew where I came from, I, I'm just too focused on the goodness of Jesus Christ right now. I, I cannot entertain all this extra stuff that you're telling me I need to do. I just can't do it. Why? Because he washed my sins away. Amen. He, he set me on a rock to stay. He's changed my thinking. I'm not even thinking the way I used to think. I'm not even going to places I used to go. There were things that had a grip on my neck I could not let go. God freed me. God saved me. He rescued me. He snatched me out of the hand of the enemy. I'm on my way to heaven, and I don't care what you think I need on top of that. It's already done. It is finished. He's saying, study that. Get deeper and deeper in what you've already been given. Ah, okay. I think we're going to end it right here. We're going to end it right here. Acts 20, 32. Acts 20 and 32. What he's saying, saints, is the third point is encouragement to keep going on. That's what he's saying. The church needs to be encouraged to keep moving forward, to keep trusting God, to keep believing, to keep relying and trusting on what you've already been given. Amen? Acts 20 and 32 says, and now I entrust you to God. <gasps> Do you see that? He's getting, Paul is getting ready to shut it down. He's on his way to jail. He recognizes his ministry is coming towards the end. He's dealing with a bunch of preachers in this area. He's talking to them. He's talking to a bunch of the folks that are ministers, and he says, and now I trust you with everything that I know. <laughs> I trust you to God. I entrust you to God and the message of his grace. What does the message of his grace do? The simple gospel that you've learned. It is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those that he has set apart for himself. You build yourself up on the grace of God. You build yourself up on the love of God. You don't build yourself up on someone else's opinion of you. You go deeper into the truth of what Jesus Christ has done. The word of God says, for the grace that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying uh, 
our flesh and, and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. What he's saying is the grace of God appeared, not the rules of somebody else. The grace of God has appeared, not the strict observance of the law. The grace of God. He's basically saying if you just think about the fact that you don't deserve Jesus and he came to you in spite of you and loved you and brought you into his family and gave you an inheritance and made sure that you were right with God through what he's done through his perfect sacrifice, which you have proven over and over that you failed by over and over again. Your whole entire life's record is about sinning against God. And Jesus just took his perfect righteousness and superimposed it on top of yours. And now when God sees you, he sees his son versus all your stuff. He said, if you just focus on that grace, it is able to what? Give me, give me, give me, show, uh, give me Titus 2.11. Titus 2.11. I just want you to see this. Uh, King James. I'm quoting it, but I want you to see it. I want you to actually look at it. Titus 2.11, King James. Come on. Can you get it? For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. What does the grace of God do? What does the grace of God do? Not hyper uh, asceticism or Jewish rules or you got to look this way, you got to do that, you got to add this to Jesus. Not that, just the simple grace. What does it do? Read. Keep going. Has appeared to all men. What does it do for us? Next part. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So when someone says that you're not doing enough, just keep focusing on that grace. Keep focusing on what Jesus Christ has done. It teaches you to deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Jesus. Why? Because you get to the point where you start to really understand, I don't know why he loved me this much. I can't figure this out. I mean, I know me, and if he knows me, why would he give his life for me? Why would he take care of me? Why would he feed me, clothe me? Why did he bring me from where I used to be to where I am? What made him do that? It's the grace of God that you don't deserve. You study that, and you study that, and you study that, and that grace will keep you. I can't go over there because he loved me too much. I can't do that because he loved me too much. I can't be like that because he loved me too much. I got this grace that I do not deserve, and it's teaching me. It's keeping me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here's the thing. I'm just going to end with this. Just my three points. Just say it again. The health of a church depends on, from what we can see here, leaders letting you know that you have everything already that you need to grow in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that you don't team up with people that could help you, but it means you need to be discerning, okay? You need to be careful because every spirit may be trying to bring up, make you a follower of them versus a follower of Christ, right? Okay, and then number two, people who will point out what's going well and not over-criticize you. I notice from my children, you look at them sometimes, and after a while you got, you know, when you're getting on them, you got to stop. You got to be careful because they start doing this. And, 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 and they start to take on the identity of what they've done versus who they are. 
Are you hearing me? So, whoa, Holy Spirit, you impart who they are more than you look at what they've done. That's very key because what you see here in these epistles over and over again, he says, this is who you are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. This is your position, and now this should be your practice. But he doesn't start with the practice. He starts with the position first. So when I talk to my babies, I say, this is not who you are, kids. You can do better than this. We're going to work on this. I need to tell you, you are Jamie's son. You, are, you belong to Pastor Jamie. You, you know what I'm saying? That belonging. It lets them know, wait a minute, I'm loved. And then when they get out there, because they haven't received a punch of criticism, they're not looking for the love somewhere else. Same thing in the church. I've got to tell you how much Jesus loves you. Otherwise, you'll go looking for some other religion to tell you how to value yourself and who you are and what you need. And Jesus saying, I already gave you everything you need. You know what this sounds like before I get to my last point? When Satan told Eve, you know, God said this, but what you really need is this, and God is keeping something from you. And if you just do what I say, you can have everything. That's the lie. The truth was, what did they need? Nothing. It was already given. Watch that spirit. Okay? So that, one more time. Leaders that let you know that you have everything you need to grow, number one. Two, people who will point out what's going well and not over-criticize you. And number three, encouragement for you to keep going. When you rest in what you already have, then you can grow in God. You have Christ already. So let your roots grow deeper and deeper and deeper down into the truth of what you know. Look at that word and let's say, how much, how much does he love me? Let me see this. How, let, me, let me just fill up on it. How much does he love me? And before you know it, that grace, that love will start to dictate to you what you should do and what you should not do. I tell my sons all the time, I want you to do it because you love me. I don't want to hurt my daddy. I can't do this. I don't want to hurt my daddy. My, I know my daddy loves me. I already got a daddy. <laughs> I already know who I belong to. Grow deeper and deeper into the salvation that you already have. Father, we thank you so much for this word. 